Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Amy Wilburn is a bankruptcy lawyer. She's based in Austin, Texas. And she is on our show right now because it means a lot to us here in Connecticut to see what happens to the fate of Alex Jones, given the jury trial and the judge's verdict on top of the jury trial with over a billion dollars in damages, essentially, that has been assessed to Alex Jones in connection with statements that he made uh, immediately after and for years after what happened in Newtown. We are going to be celebrating 10 years of uh, since that a terrible, terrible day. We're going to be celebrating is the wrong word. We're going to be commemorating 10 years of that terrible, terrible day uh, next week. And even President Obama, former President Obama, was in town in New York last night. We've got a little clip of that we're going to play in the next hour as he reminisced on what he said was the biggest failure of his entire administration, which was his inability, his powerlessness to do anything against the gum lobby. But in any event, um, Alex Jones... Uh, has been making news in Connecticut ever since he went after the parents and alleged that what happened was an actual hoax. And so there are many people who are gleeful, gleeful that this verdict was rendered, that it forced Alex Jones's organization as opposed to his personal finances into bankruptcy. And so Amy Wilburn is on with us right now to answer our questions about what does that mean in real life. Hello, Amy, and welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show today. Good morning. Good morning, and thank you so much for having me, Lisa. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Can you hear me correctly? Can you hear me well? I can hear you just fine. Perfect. So, Amy, tell us a little bit, for those of us who really don't know, and I'm a lawyer, but this is not my area of specialty, um, tell (laughs) us a little bit about whether or not or to what extent bankruptcy is always and only a matter of federal law or sometimes also a matter of state law? That's a great place to start. So bankruptcy is uh, written into the Constitution. There are all kinds of codes about it. And so bankruptcy is generally a federal issue. Um, It is governed by special federal bankruptcy courts. 
And there are some situations where state law might come in. And the biggest uh, moment that that comes in is when we're looking at how we protect uh, individuals or a business's assets. And that has to do with what's called exemptions. Mm. The reason it intersects with state law is that states get to choose whether you choose the bankruptcy exemptions from federal law or state law. Every state does it differently. In Ohio, you can only choose state law. In Texas, you can choose either state or federal law. That's really the main intersection. There are others, but if, if we're doing a high-level view, that's, that's the main difference. And when you say you, in other words, the person filing bankruptcy gets to choose whether or not it's more beneficial to avail himself of exemptions under Texas law versus the federal law? Correct. For example, in Texas, um, the the homestead protection, the homestead exemption that protects the home that you live in, is much more generous than the federal exemption. So in that case, you would want to opt for the state protections. It's not pick and choose, though. You have to commit to one or the other. So in Texas, if Alex Jones wants to buy himself a pretty nice ranch and pour all of his money into a magnificent home, can he do that with no limit on the amount of money he can spend on that personal primary residence? Well, that is a great question. So the first part of what you said is correct. He can buy himself a beautiful ranch And so long as that is strictly his home, not a business property or or other um, uses for the property, Mm. then yes, he can buy his home. However, there are circumstances, because the Texas exemption is so generous for your home, that they're going to be looking very carefully at where his assets have gone. Um, For example, in some states, and Texas is one of these, If you're pulling money out of, let's say, just for simplicity's sake, pulling money out of your bank account, it was just sitting there, or it was an investment, it was just sitting there, and then you pour it into your home, they're going to track what happened before the bankruptcy. And Mm. so there are some laws in place that say you can't do that and still take advantage of the homestead exemption. Because that would be, in a way, a fraudulent conveyance because you would be taking that money with the intent to evade the bankruptcy judgment. Correct. It's called a fraudulent transfer. And in fact, there were some accusations when he filed in the spring um, with three of his shell companies. And there were some accusations that he had been transferring money under a fraudulent scheme. Um, You know, we could get into the weeds of it, but he was transferring these funds, paying these quote-unquote businesses, and um, that money would be able to be clawed back by the court and give it out to his creditors, including the Sandy Hook families. It has to do with filing in good faith. And so um, that case eventually was dismissed by mutual agreement, and um, then we are here now with his personal and his one business bankruptcy. Let's talk about that, Amy Wilburn. What What is the status right now of Alex Jones and bankruptcy court? What has he filed for? Because I, I had thought he only filed a Chapter 11 for free speech systems. 
I wasn't aware he also filed for personal bankruptcy. Yeah, he did. That was last Friday. Um, his free speech systems business files their Chapter 11 in July. And um, we're going to come back to this particular kind of Chapter 11. It's called a Subchapter 5. It's a newish kind of bankruptcy. Oh, I never heard and of it. So we're, mm. Yeah, yeah. It was just enacted, I want to say, about two and a half years ago. Oh, um, not quite, Not quite three years ago. And it's intended for um, a streamlined bankruptcy process. Um, for smaller-sized businesses, not the giant corporations. So that was filed in July. And then we move along. We get the verdicts in the fall. And on December 2nd, Mr. Jones filed a personal bankruptcy. And in his personal bankruptcy, he lists his estimated assets and the estimated amount of his debts. He lists his 20 biggest creditors. Um, all but one of them are the Sandy Hook uh, victims' families, which mm -hmm. is um, important an important fact. Yeah. And then the other thing he asked for in this personal bankruptcy is he asked for the business and the personal bankruptcy to work together for them to be administered together. Now, um, that is going to be a big deal because personal and business bankruptcies act differently, but they share so many creditors that it, it might make sense. Now, under this subchapter five, the courts have put in place somebody called a trustee. Mm -hmm. And the trustee's job is to make sure that everything is going right. That's the, the big overview. They help to negotiate things. But in a personal chapter 11, there's not necessarily a trustee. So what I'm curious to see is if there will be an advocate in place like a trustee for this jointly, uh, jointly adjudicated sub chapter 11. I'm curious to know what's the difference between a subchapter five of chapter eleven and a traditional chapter eleven. Uh, there are quite a few things that are different. Um, you have to have your business debts under seventy-five million dollars. Um, there is always a trustee put in place, whereas in a traditional chapter eleven, it's not um, necessarily. Sometimes it is. And the plan of reorganization generally needs to be completed within five years. It doesn't go on and on and on. Alex Jones has significantly larger than $75 million in debts now that he has these judgments against him. Won't he be thrown out of a subchapter five? Well, that's the big question. <laughs> when he filed his case, he did not yet. The verdicts had not yet come in and the damages had not yet been determined. So when he filed it, um, I think it was okay to file it under a subchapter five. But I suspect now that they're uh, now that we're adjudicating them together, now that he and the business both have uh, close to one point five billion dollars in debt, then uh, it's probably going to go the traditional chapter 11 route. We're chatting with Amy Wilburn. And what I want you to explain to our audience, please, Amy, if you would, when most people think about bankruptcy, they think about losing everything and starting over from scratch. But mm -hmm. that is what we would call a Chapter 7 liquidation kind of thing. Chapter 11 was designed in mind for people to continue as a going concern and a much more orderly payment of debts while still having income to live. Um, 
tell us a little bit about how Chapter 11, how Alex Jones envisions, based on his own filings, paying these debts. Has he put forward a plan to start an orderly payment of these debts? So um, if I can back up a little bit, in a cha- you said that in a Chapter 7, um, ultimately there is liquidation of assets and a, a complete starting over. And that's not always the case. In fact, the majority of the cases that I file under Chapter 11, people keep their homes, their cars. The, um, the courts and society, we don't really want to see people left with nothing. Because no, you need no, to, but, but, right? but. Okay, but it's okay. All right, you're right. They never left with nothing, but um, so maybe that's right. too much of an exaggeration. But it is a, it is, it was always it was written to be uh, a little bit more of a well of a starting over. That's I think that that's the best way to put it. At least that's what I learned at I law think school. You're right. Yeah, yeah, and often we call it a fresh start bankruptcy. Fresh start. Thank you. Um, Thank you. That's what yeah. I mean. Yeah. It wipes out what can be wiped out. You can keep what's reasonable, quote unquote, reasonable and necessary. That's the legalese, um, and move on with your life without as much debt. So yes, chapter seven, chapter eleven. As you said, um, he does get to propose a plan of reorganization. He gets the exclusive right to um, for 120 days. He and he alone gets to propose what he thinks is fair and just. Um, in order to make these creditors whole, um, he may ask the court to extend that 120 days, and that, that does happen. But he gets exclusive rights for 120 days to uh, figure out what he thinks is right. After that exclusive period is ended, then creditors, including the Sandy Hook families, they get to propose a plan. I they see. can also negotiate with Mr. Jones and his team um, to determine something that they all put forth together. So the the creditors, the Sandy Hook families, they get to not only propose a plan, but if he proposes a plan and they don't, they get to vote on the plan. And the vote has to be unanimous. If they oh, don't wow. like this plan, yeah, if they don't like this plan, it's not going forward. But also he doesn't eventually get the benefit of bankruptcy protection if they can't reach an agreement, if there's no um, no way to move forward with this. Amy, would you just stay right there? Because I need to have our sponsors have their say with some commercials. And then I'd like to be right back mm-hmm. and chat with you. We're chatting with Amy Wilburn. And she is a bankruptcy lawyer based out of Austin, Texas, 203-333-9422. If you've got questions, I still have a whole lot more. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. So, Amy, you were saying that when somebody falls to bankruptcy, specifically Alex Jones as an example, he gets a chance for 120 days to propose what he would consider to be an orderly way to take care of these judgments against him. Then the people that he's going to be paying his creditors – they get to vote to decide whether or not they like the plan, and they all have to agree. And if they don't, he doesn't get the benefit of bankruptcy at all. What happens? Well, there's a period of time. The, the courts are going to be patient, I believe. These, a Chapter 11 is a slow-moving process. So if they disagree, they vote down the plan, then they go back to the table and they work on something that they can hammer out and negotiate something together. Eventually, 
the court's patience is going to run out. And so mm. they're going to tell uh, the all parties, they're going to tell them, look, people, go back to the table. And if you don't come up with a confirmable plan in X period of time, then I'm dismissing this case. So Mr. Jones has motivation to uh, to work cooperatively, shall we say, with his creditors. That's his big thing. Well, this is a very interesting case, Amy Wilburn, because there is a lot of true animosity that the families mm-hmm. have. I mean, they brought a very unusual kind of grievance here. And bankruptcy, by definition, the Chapter 11, is something intended to allow Alex Jones to continue what, doing what he does. Um, I'm wondering if the families are ever going to want him to continue doing what he does. Well, here is what I suspect may happen. There are systems in place to make sure that there's not an abuse happening of the system. Okay. So um, we talked about um, the accusations of him filing in bad faith where he was moving or allegedly was moving some money that would otherwise be available to pay his debt. So I suspect that the victim's family's lawyers will be looking into that very, very carefully, how money gets moved, where it goes, some forensic accounting, and then they might present that information to court. We'll have to see. But at the very, very least, I suspect that the attorneys for the Sandy Hook families will ask the court to determine whether the money they are owed even can be wiped out or reduced in a bankruptcy. So when when debts are wiped out, uh, we call that a discharge. That's the dischargeability question. And so a discharge releases the person from the requirement to pay a debt. It would get Alex Jones out of having to pay these um, these mm. damages. So under bankruptcy law, some debts just aren't dischargeable. For example, you cannot wipe out child support. It just goes against what we've decided as a society. And then another kind of debt that cannot be wiped out is debt that comes from willful and malicious injury. And so, you know, as a as a lawyer, those that's those are the key words, willful Mm -hmm. and malicious injury. So if the person who filed the bankruptcy is found to have caused willful and malicious injury, then he can't wipe out those debts. So then the Sandy Hook families would ask the bankruptcy court to decide whether he caused a deliberate or an intentional injury and that he did it without any kind of excuse or just cause. So he was found guilty of defamation, sorry, defamation, which is saying things that are false. He knew they were false and those falsehoods caused harm. And that sounds an awful lot like willful and malicious injury. So I suspect that these families are going to be uh, drafting drafting some motions to the bankruptcy court, asking them to determine that these damages that they were awarded are not dischargeable, that they can't get wiped out in the bankruptcy. And therefore, they will pursue them the way people that hold judgments pursue, which is to say they'll levy on the bank accounts, they'll put liens on real property, They'll let them sit there, and they'll have marshals go after the liquid assets that they can, and they'll just chase them until they can get as much money as they can. That's what judgment creditors do all the time. It is. Yep, that's exactly right. They're going to use everything at their disposal. 
um, to make sure that they get um, paid what they are legally due. Of course, they will never be paid what they are morally due. So, And so I wanted yeah, to ask you something. Now, this is a little bit, I know, but you're an Austin, Texas lawyer, and I'm really curious about this. So we're chatting with Amy Wilburn. By the way, this has been fabulous for me. It's a primer again. I forgot. What is it? Section 345, 321, some section with a three that I learned when I was at NYU a thousand years ago. And that, that was all we had. 363. Is that right? 363. Is that right? Might've been 362. 362. That's (laughs) what I'm remembering. And it's a long time ago, by the way, Amy, a long time ago. Anyway, but okay. Uh, Here's my question for you. I was stunned and I want to know if you were surprised that the lower Texas court basically decided to turn its back on the statute that caps the amount of damages at, I think it was 750000 or whatever the number was. It was substantially less than the tens of millions that were levied against or that were imposed against Alex Jones in connection with the trial down there. And we had much more up here in Connecticut. But in... In Texas, there was a jury trial, and it was over $40 million. And the judge, upon review, said, you know what? The Texas law was not intended for this circumstance, right? And I find it inapplicable, and so I'm ignoring it. And I want Alex Jones to have to pay the full judgment here in Texas. How did the bar in Texas react to that? You know, there are situations where it's, as you said, where the judge might say that it's inappropriate. Um, I think that it was a good decision. Um, You have to remember, we just had a Uvalde shooting um, that people were were likening to, to the unfortunate event at Sandy Hook. So we just had that very same thing. I don't think that people would really have a taste for reducing damages of mourning families. So you think that it's going to be upheld on appeal, even though she basically said there's this statute, and I think this is a circumstance, it's an exception to the law? Correct, exactly. Um, And when it's really egregious harm that was called, um, called on, then the judge has the option of making that decision. Okay. Okay. That was not clear to me. I didn't do a, a very, you know, concrete look into the statute itself. I was just basically reading summaries of what she said and everything else. So you think that that decision is, is one that's supported by the people and will likely be upheld? Um, two separate things. I do right. think it'll be supported by the people. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if it would be upheld. It's kind of a narrow area of the law. So we'll mm. we'll have to see what the appetite is at that point. Um, I, I do think it could go either way. So, Amy Wilburn, you're you're in Texas and you're practicing bankruptcy law. Uh, do you have any inside information about the Alex Jones bankruptcy case? Are you friendly with any of the lawyers for either the Alex Jones himself or for any of the judgment creditors? I feel like you're uh, sitting me down to tea and asking me to dish. I am. Um, I do not have. <laughs> I do not have any insider information. I'm sorry. I'm looking at this just like everybody else. Mm. 
Yeah. Well, eventually you'll have some inside information. I mean, you practice down there, so of course you will. You'll, you know, I mean, correct. it's a small yeah. bar. The bankruptcy bar is a small bar in every city. I mean, it's there, there are only so many wonderful. people, right? Yeah. You, yeah. Do you like yeah. this area? I really like it. Yeah. Yeah. And and we're a we're a personable group when we have our hearings. We like to sit around and chat. Um, but so many hearings are held virtually now, so we don't get to sit around and chat about the latest in um in the bankruptcy court. It's yeah. all over the phone and online. I know, but we're going to move back to that in person again. There's going to be a a happy medium at some point. My my prediction is there. I'm in Connecticut. I'm a lawyer, and there's a lot of dissatisfaction by the bar with having so much go on. Uh, not in person. There's the efficiency piece. People mm-hmm. love not having to travel to court, but there's also something lost in translation very often in terms of settling disputes when you're not at the table. So I, I think that we're I struggling. I, right. So I think we're struggling to find a happy medium and, and do those things that we all know are relatively um, ministerial online. But when you really need to have a conversation, I think people want to be in front of each other. I know I do. I want to be in front of people. I think you're right. I think you're right. I would like for there to be some kind of hybrid option. Um, One thing that's good about doing online hearings for our clients is that they don't have to take a full day off of work to show up to court to answer five or 10 minutes of questions. Mm -hmm. They can step out of their cubicle or their garage or wherever they're working, step away from the kids, (laughs) not have to get childcare. Right. You know, garage. I I I know what you mean. And, you know, my bankruptcy folks generally um, are not people who have tons of sick leave or necessarily Mm -hmm. work a salaried job. So I think this is good for them. Yeah. But we'll see. I do miss my colleagues a lot. Yes. Amy Wilburn, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your expertise. I really learned something during this last half hour, and I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. We'll talk to you next time. You bet. Amy Wilburn from Austin, Texas giving us a primer on bankruptcy law, particularly as it has pertained to the Alex Jones case. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. 
juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at Lisa at LisaWexler.com.